0: folks, I'm David Goldstein and I'm Brian Brinkman. And you're listening to episode 9 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. Generally speaking, this is the podcast which we utilize the music of Fish to introduce the listener to non-jam bands that we think that they might like. Basically because we love Fish, we are Fish fans, but too many of you listen to too much Fish. We generally think that's kind of too bad. However, This episode's going to be a bit different.
1: Yeah, this episode, we are going to take a step back from exploring fish jams and uh, music that we think is somewhat connected to them, and we're just going to talk about our top albums of 2017 so far. We are at the, just about past the halfway point of the year, and it's a great moment to take a step back, scan the landscape of some of the great records that we've listened to this year, some records that we think that you guys will all really like, and, uh, see how much we can prove ourselves wrong by year's end with where uh, our lists end up
0: So, some of the themes that we're going to explore to this episode with the musical themes of the first half of 2017 including O.O.'s indie revival, a big year for dad rock woke pop music the sounds of the 90s in some cases are back and the resistance settles in
1: we're also going to take a look ahead at some of the upcoming releases that we are both equally excited for and equally not excited for, and then we're going to wrap things up with our five favorite records of the year. We'll go through each of our lists, play a snippet from each of the records, and you um, know, be uh, we're, we're looking forward to this a lot. It's going to be uh, it's going to be cool. So, Brian, why don't you kick us
0: off with? Um some of the big records of 2017 that have come out thus far.
1: Absolutely. Uh, A lot of really good music thus far this year, and in planning for this episode, kind of went through my playlist and um, started just listening to a ton of records that I've been listening to, kind of caught myself off guard with how good some of it's been. So, um, just a few I've got off the top of my head here, Uh, Brian Eno's Reflection. Hooray for the Riff Raffs, The Navigator, Japan Droids, Near to the Wild Side of Life, one of the best shows I saw of the year uh, right after their tour started, J. Everyone, Everybody Works, and then Jesus and Mary Chains, Damage and Joy. What do you got, Dave?
0: Let's see. Some other ones we had listed were The Magnetic Fields, 50 Song Memoir, Moon Duo, uh, called Architecture Part 1 and 2. I know I mentioned uh, Part 2 in a previous episode as being some uh, excellent shoegaze jams I've been enjoying very much. Knee High Offers, it's a band that uh, I know Brian had mentioned in an earlier episode. Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels 3, and, uh, Samfa Process.
1: Keeping it going, uh, we've got Strand of Oaks, Hard Love, their follow up to their fantastic 2014 record. Thundercat Drunk, which I believe I featured on uh, the first episode that we did. Uh, Tim Cohen, Luckman. Uh, Tian L1, And the Afghan Wigs in Spades.
0: We'll say that Afghan Wigs record, that's their uh, second album since they've gotten back together. And it's uh, I much prefer it to the first one, Do the Beast. So in addition to that record, we've got Amy Mann, Mental Illness. Big Thief, Capacity... Uh, Charlie Bliss, Guppy, uh, 90s power pop record that I love. Father John Misty, Pure Comedy. Feist, Pleasure.
1: And the list goes on with Fleet Fox's Crack Up, uh, came out early last month. Really, really great record, huge grower. Uh, Future Islands, The Far Field, Guided by Voices, August by Cake jason isbell in the 400 unit the nashville sound i know dave and i both saw him uh about a week apart from each other really really great show excellent whipping co- whipping post encore
0: he brings 30 something fathers to tears yes he does <laughs> going forward getting to the end here we got uh kevin morby city music mac demarco goofy uh gap tooth buddy this Old Dog, Mart McGuire, Ideas of Beginnings, which we mentioned in the last episode, The Mountain Goats, Goths, Alex G, Rocket.
1: And wrapping things up with Steve Earle and the Dukes, So You Really Want to Be an Outlaw, The New Vince Staples, Big Fish Theory, Wooden Wand, Clipper Ship, White Reaper, The World's Best American Band, One of the Most Apt Album Titles of the Year, And finishing off with woods love is love uh the most resistance resistance record in 2017. um so yeah really good year thus far great output uh thus far from a lot of big bands a lot of bands that are uh scratching and clawing their way to the top especially within the indie rock world um but i know david you and i share this sentiment really what's making 2017 an exciting music year is uh, what's on the horizon, what's to come.
0: Yeah, 2017... um, Especially when you're getting towards end of August, beginning of September is uh, going to be a really big year for kind of like the class of 2005, 2006, 07. A lot of the mid-00s indie bands, are uh, they're coming to play. So some big records on the horizon. We've got the national Sleep Well Beast, which I think both of us are going to enjoy quite a bit. Yes, I can't wait. What else? Grizzly Bear, uh, Painted Ruins, that's going to be their new record coming out. Everything I've heard from that so far sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah, the War on Drugs, of deeper understanding. Uh, we've talked about this band perhaps more than any other band aside from Fish on this podcast mm. uh, you all know well if you're listeners this, that is my favorite record of the decade thus far their, their 2014 LP Lost in the Dream um, everything I've heard from this record all the writing I've heard about it or read about it um, just in terms of the process of recording it um, I can't wait to hear this record
0: yeah that's going to be heavily heavily anticipated the two songs he's put out are fantastic yeah and let's see going forward we've got Rostam uh formerly from Vampire Weekend his solo record Half Light coming out that's going to be very good and actually the uh, Broken Social Scene Hug of Thunder comes out this Friday I think
1: yeah I'm looking forward to that I uh, I'm glad that they're still uh throwing together 20 different artists and uh and making some massive massive wallace on music um Later in the year, we've got uh, Mogwai with Every Country's Son, as well as Queens of the Stone Age with Villains. Um, I'm excited for both of those.
0: Looks like there's going to be new records by Beck, Earl Sweatshirt, Liars, and the Rostam-less Vampire Weekend.
1: It'll be interesting to see how they pick up without him. His sounds had so much to do, especially with uh, Modern Vampires of the City, Um, one of my favorite records. My favorite record of 2013 um, really interesting to see how they pick it up
0: yes if there's anything I've learned though from reading um, I just finished reading Meet Me in the Bathroom the uh, excellent, uh, excellent synopsis of New York Indie Rock from 2001 to 2011 by uh, the journalist um, Lizzie Goodman excellent book I highly recommend and if there's anything that the second half of the book tells you is don't count out Ezra Keening he's a smart kid He has an idea, he knew how to frame it, he knew exactly what he was doing, although definitely Rostam was uh, instrumental to their sound. So long as Ezra's the front man, I I see very good things in the future for that band.
1: Definitely have a lot of optimism about that. That said, in terms of optimism about Vampire Weekend, there are two records that uh, um, are huge records coming out in 2017 that I don't think you or I have a ton of optimism about. Um I would uh, I would throw out Arcade Fire, Everything Now is that first one and what's what's our second one?
0: L C D sound system, American Dream. I've actually got higher hopes for the L C D record than the Arcade Fire record. I mean I've I've had some issues with James Murphy in the past, kind of you know, sort of the way that he's done business with regard to the huge, huge blowout. Blow out final show and the documentary and him crying in the camera and then five years later being like oops sorry didn't mean it that way and then playing festival after festival after festival but <laughs> all told uh the two lcd sound system songs he's put out if you think you might be into that kind of thing aren't that bad
1: yeah you know um i should say call the police has grown on me quite a bit over the last couple of months and um is that the one that sounds like you two yeah, and it kind of sounds okay. like a lighter version of All My Friends. It just has that, like, seven-minute build. Um, that the, the one thing I'm banking on with that record is, uh, and I may be in a big minority here, but I did not like This Is Happening when it first came out, and about a year later... I put it on and said, what the hell is wrong with you? this record is fantastic. And there's some really great parts to that record that I still listen to. And um, Songs like Home, songs like All I Want, which we featured in episode one. Um, I, 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 it's grown on me quite a bit.
0: Um, I'd say I'm going to consider that that record's half good. I'll definitely ride for Home. All I Want, I can change. Um, certainly dance yourself clean. Yeah. But... Everything other those songs I mentioned, I can't get behind, like Drunk Girls.
1: Can't do no. Drunk Girls at all. Um, no. But that all said, I have very little optimism about this new Arcade Fire record, and, and I don't want to spend too much time uh, uh, belaboring a record that I just think I'm going to hate before it comes out, but I just really... I don't know what happened to this band that I loved so much. They're pretty far gone as what happened to that band. It's what it seems like. I mean, the band that wrote seven years ago put out one of my favorite records of 2010 the suburbs band that came out with this just blazing uh debut and funeral that just sounded like a fully formed band i mean maybe that's part of the problem is that they just had it all in their first couple of records and what are they supposed to do then other than become a glam rock band i I don't know
0: oh i think part of the problem is they really started to buy into their own hype and kind of felt like every record had to be bigger and badder-ass than the one before it. And the few ones I've heard off of this album just don't give me much hope.
1: Do we get a, their Nebraska next? Is that what uh, we're in line for?
0: Oh, the, the, I think their Nebraska should have been this album. Yeah. And everything has indicated that it definitely will not be.
1: Yeah, everything will be uh, sparkly suits and uh, desert scenes and, and ABBA influences, I guess. So, Yeah. Anyway. anyway anyway why don't we, don't we talk done. about some stuff we do like there we go there we go lots of good stuff this year it's getting and dark very dark very ominous um let's uh let's move into a conversation about our top five albums of 2017 so far
2: i got i got i got i got loyalty got royalty inside my dna cocaine quarter piece got war ramp inside my dna i got power poison pain and joy inside my dna, I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA.
1: All right, so our top five albums of 2017 so far. Uh, we've got a great list of really diverse records here um, that we're going to um, feature for you guys. David, what uh, what is your number five album of 2017
0: thus far? Okay, Brian, for my number five, I have a record that I uh, did mention on an earlier episode. My number five is White Out Conditions by The New Pornographers. Now, The New Pornographers, this is their seventh record, They are an exceedingly reliable go-to for very catchy power pop. They are led by um, Carl Allen Newman or Alan Carl Newman. I guess it's A.C. Newman at any rate. He's the front man. Um, they also have Nico Case. She's kind of the co-front person. She has her own fantastic all-country career. Carl Newman's niece, Captain Calder, also chips in with vocals and keyboards. And sort of everyone else in the band is kind of like a who's who of uh. Like Canadian indie stars from the late 90s and early 2000s. Now, what's interesting about the new pornographers is that at this point, they kind of had the challenge of being lumped in as a legacy band, which is to say they've got seven albums, none of which are bad, they're extremely consistent, and at this stage in the game, music critics kind of just take them for granted. But in a sense that they've already won, in that I know Carl Newman doesn't have a day job. This is what he does. They can consistently sell out 1,700 capacity venues. They have an adoring cult of fans. I mean— who really cares if Pitchfork will just like reflectively give him like a seven or a seven two and that's that. I mean other bands that kinda get lumped in with this are uh Spoon, who kinda faced the same thing with their very good album Hot Thoughts this year, uh Bell and Sebastian, Built the Spill, even kind of like Wilco, I mean, all these bands, you know what you're gonna get at this point, even if they're not that new new, they're all uh excellent. And this album, I guess, compared to other New Pornographers records, they're still the best game in town for catchy power pop. But like the one before it, uh, 2014's Brill Bruisers, this one has a lot of lots of buzzy synthesizers. Um, the two records before that, Challengers and Together, they kind of had a thing with like live string arrangements filling in for the keyboards. This is very keyboards uh, heavy. And if there's a theme, could be a bit of a stretch. But it almost seems like Trump bear anxiety. I know Carl Newman is very active on Twitter. He does not like the president. He's got a wife, he's got a young daughter, and some of these songs kind of seem to address this, I wouldn't say head on, but somewhat obliquely. But, you know, I mean, they still remain one of the best games in town for very catchy power pop. And we're gonna play a song for you uh, right now.
3: You can imagine, you can imagine
0: Ticket Attractions by the new pornographers off the album Out Conditions. And I'll just say that uh, every new pornographer song, the first time you hear it, you say, okay, that was cute. And then four listens later, that's all you can think about. And that song is no different. So, Brian, what do you got for your number
1: five? So my number five comes from uh, the Phil Elgram, uh project, Mount Erie. A uh, record called A Crow Looked at Me. Um, Phil Elverham uh, was of the Microphones, a band that I loved near and dear throughout the 2000s and uh, early 2010s um, before he started working with Mount or before he started recording as Mount Erie. Um, the, the Microphones records just blew my head open in terms of what was possible with songwriting and with noise and melody and uh, i'll always love him for really expanding my um kind of soundscape of what i thought was music and what i wanted to hear um this record is and elver calls this barely music uh Not to be a downer, um, this record was recorded shortly after his wife, Genevieve, died following a year-long battle of pancreatic cancer. Uh, And she was diagnosed in the spring of 2015, which was just 15 months after their couple's uh, first daughter was born. Um, This record hit me incredibly hard this year. Uh, I've never heard an album that uh so paralleled the tragedies and fears that were going on in my own life like this one did um i do not particularly enjoy this record but um i uh and i'll just you know be open i've had a pretty intense year with health with uh uh both my wife and uh close uh, my mother-in-law as well and uh to have a record that was so brutally honest in uh um the unshakable dedication about the monotonous slog that is disease and death and ultimate recovery, um, was so, so essential for me. Um, I've probably listened to this record only three times and I don't know how many other times I could listen to it. Um, it is just too much, but it was really, really essential for me to hear the words that he was saying, to listen to the music that he was singing. Um, as I was, uh, going through a lot of stuff throughout the spring. Um, it reminds me in a lot of cases of Sunkil moon's uh 2014 record benji um, it just summarizes experienced tragedy in a way that a lot of people just aren't as uh, as as capable of being that honest um but ultimately and as i was i listened to this record again this last week and as we were getting ready for this um what makes this record so much for me is Throughout the whole album, and it's a tough album to get through, especially if you're just like, it's a complete headphones listen, but it really brings you into what he's dealing with after the shock of his life just completely changing in front of his eyes. But um, there's a continual ability for him to see the beauty in the world, even after experiencing this kind of tragedy. it's really clear to me that Elvin believes that no matter how awful and sad life can be, there's still blessings on a regular basis. Nothing's guaranteed, and every moment uh, should be treasured. And for me, that was just so, so essential uh, this year. So um, not to make this incredibly heavy, but it's a really, really important <laughs> uh, uh, record to me. I think it's a really important record for people to hear. Um, and we're going to play uh, a song called Ravens off of that, just a quick clip off of it.
4: by fours indicating I glanced up at the half moon
1: That was Ravens off of Mount Erie's A Crow Looked At Me. Um, David, what do you have at number four?
0: I can assure you that this album at number four will be more upbeat than the Mount Erie album, for starters. <laughs> um, I have my number four is Cloud Nothings. The album is called Life Without Sound. And Cloud Nothings are basically the continuing project of one Dylan Baldy, and what was once a bedroom thing has morphed into a full-on rock and roll quartet. Basically, his stock and trade is uh, straight-ahead rock and roll with Poppy Flourishes, and he's kind of expanding on the sound he first mined on um, his breakthrough, which was 2012's Attack on Memory, which was produced by Steve Albini and sounded a lot like uh, the 80s Portland, Oregon post-punk band Wipers. I'm sure we will discuss it further length at some point in this podcast, especially um, the Wipers album Youth of America. I think the song was called The Wasted Days. It was very, very similar to that. I know he uh, he followed up that album with the album Here and Nowhere Else in 2014, which contains the awesomely tight and thrashy song I'm Not Pardon Me, which is probably still his best song. And one thing you notice about Cloud Nothings is that the drummer is totally amazing. His first name is Jason, last name starts with a G. I can't really pronounce it, like Gareth or something to to that effect. But he's a, a fantastic timekeeper that keeps everything together. the latest Cloud Nothings album, I know Dylan Baldi, I think he described it as a form of new age music, which is absolutely nothing to do with the mellow synth washes you would hear while you're getting a massage at a spa. Um, In this case, I think he just means that the sound relative to the other record is slightly cleaned up, but he's... uh, Still unquestionably fronting a rock band. Uh, The album has a crystal clear mix job. Uh, There's some piano here and there. But there isn't really anything approaching a bid for mainstream acceptance. And in fact, the last two songs of this album are some of the ugliest things he's put to wax. I know uh, some friends of mine listen to this and they say, "Eh, this record's a bit clean. Then they get to the last two songs and they say, oh yeah, all right, that's... That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but the songs, in particular, Modern Act and Sight Unseen, they do kind of sound like outtakes from R.E.M.'s Accelerate album. And it's not for nothing that it was produced by uh, by John Goodmanson, who's a Seattle-based producer who's thing could best be described as rocking, but kind of clean. Uh, I know he produced some of the Death Cab for Cutie albums, most of the classic Slater Kinney albums, but he also has uh some more considerably aggro stuff like the Blood Brothers and and Early Bikini Kill. And uh generally he he does a good job here of uh emphasizing like um emphasizing instrument separation. The vocals are mixed very well. It's it's a very good sounding record. Uh, you know, but the fact is they get by because Dylan is just an excellent songwriter who he really knows his way around verses and choruses. And when he hits completely, like on Enter Entirely, he finds the sweet spot between tension-fueled rock that makes you want to trash a hotel room, but it's also loaded with enough hooks for repeated listens. So uh, the song I'm going to play here is Enter Entirely. Uh, I think that was the single, and it's probably in my top five songs for 2017. So I'm going to play that right now. so that was Enter Entirely by Cloud Nothings off of the Life Without Sound album
1: so Brian what do you got for your number four number four record uh, I think I don't know if this had a ton of hype because I think it was announced about ten days before it came out um, Kendrick Lamar's follow up to 2015's uh, just masterpiece to Pimp a Butterfly this is Damn uh, Kendrick here turns his focus inwards towards his impurities and his fatal flaws uh, very very different record from Tupac Butterfly that was a global album focused on the 10,000 foot view problems in society and the world especially a keen eye on those affecting and affected by the black community that he was raised in and in many ways represents um this is Dam is just as impassioned and as critical of a record, but here the centerpiece is Kendrick. And um it's a very personal album. Um it feels much smaller, but uh it feels just as uh um raw in a completely different way. Uh this is his fourth full-length LP, um and his first again since 2015's messy masterpiece uh to pimp a butterfly. Um Really feels thematically and musically like a reaction to Pimp a Butterfly. It's overly simple. Focus uh, really in a lot of senses on his rapping alone, whereas that had horn sections and had loads and loads of, uh, um, you know, little vignettes that kind of carried songs to uh, to each other this, um, every song was written out in capitals, every song is basically one word um, there's uh, like three or, f- I mean there's very few guests on here, it's uh, highlighted by Rihanna and U2 of all bands uh, making a guest appearance but um, from everything I've read, from everything I've heard from the record it feels very much like a mid-90s hip-hop album um Oddly enough, the working title of this record was uh, What Happens on Earth Stays on Earth, but uh, Kendrick kept feeling like it never read right. He kept coming back to themes of each song, saying to him, damned if you do, damned if you don't, and came across the title that way. And I think the title is incredibly fitting to what the record is. Songs like DNA, Element, Humble, Lust, Triple X, and especially the uh, uh, the album Closer, Duckworth, all stand out as some of the strongest tracks I've heard of the year. Um, we're going to play a track from it. Uh, we're going to play Humble right now, one of the best rec- one of the best songs of 2017, uh, one of the most ferocious choruses of the year, and um, this is an absolute must here, I would say, for anybody listening to this podcast. So uh, here's Humble off of Kendrick Lamar's Damn.
2: My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put lil' baby in the spiral. Soprano C, we like to keep it on the high note. It's levels to it, you and I know. Uh, bitch, be humble. bitch, sit down. Uh, look, alright, huh? Be bitch, uh. uh. sit down. Sit be humble. Holla bitch, sit down. Hold up, be humble. Holla, bitch. Sit down. Be humble. hold uh. uh. <Xian> <interest> um. uh. huh. up, uh. sit down. Sit, up, down. Up, 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 sit down, little bitch. Me on board. Sit down. Who that nigga thinking that he frontin' on me, Get the fuck off my stage. I'm the same man, Get the fuck off my dick. That ain't right. I make a play, fucking up your whole life. I'm so fucking sick and tired of the Photoshop. Show me something natural like Aphrodite. Show me something natural Like ass with some stretch marks Still a take you down Right down your mama's couch polo sack Hey, This shit way too crazy Hey, You do not amaze me Ayy hey, i blew cool from AC Oh, but much as pace
1: me hey, All right, hey, that was Humble Off Kendrick it, Lamar's it, Damn. It, Damn Moving right along here David, what do you got As your number three album of 2017?
0: Well, just before getting into The number three album I want to say I very much echo your feelings on Damn That is, a uh, albums easily in my top 10 and um i really like to pimp a butterfly a whole lot but outside of perhaps king kunta it might be it's very cerebral but kind of low on what you consider to be trunk rattlers whereas dam has plenty of trunk rattlers i mean seriously dna element humble i mean it's just great to hear kendrick rap yeah. And while certainly you can really get into the songs and get into the lyrics, it's very much a show of skill, more so than anything else. And I have this fantasy that if the Mets were any good this year, Yoannis is supposed to hit a home run, and then he would round the bases, and they'd play humble over the loudspeakers, and people would go crazy. <laughs> but clearly that's not going to happen in 2017 if you follow the Mets season like I have been. <laughs> but anyway, my number three album... It's from a band called Dude York, and the album is called Sincerely. Dude York is a trio of youngins from Seattle, Washington, consisting of Peter Richards on guitar and lead vocals, Claire England on bass guitar and also lead vocals, and Andrew Hall on drums. Uh, I would describe them as a very satisfying power-pop band, almost... Like arena power pop. I mean, they're equally indebted to uh, like the 90s fuzz pop bands, but they're also, there's definitely some, uh, some Thin Lizzy in there, some uh, like guitar heroics. Um, also, the singer Peter Richards clearly has a bit of a Richard Hell fixation as goes his lead vocals which kind of of the uh like throaty uh like yelpy type and a lot of these songs deal with very relatable subject matters such as mental health relationships and mental health again that's a theme that always pops up um these guys are about the hooks i mean really what got me into this record was the fact that each, album has this, each song has an instantly memorable chorus. The album was sequenced very well. There's lots of change-ups. And part of that change-up is um, while Pete, Richard, uh, Pete Richards does most of the vocals on two songs, he hands off lead vocals to the bass player, Claire England. And she really steals the show with uh, the song Tonight and the song Love Is, and both of which happen to be the, the singles and I think it just brings back awesome memories of uh like bratty 90s female fronted bands like hole there's that dog uh, certainly some letters to cleo and I can't wait to see the band live, because there's definitely a bit of an arena rock aesthetic going on. Almost this record feels like a sister album to Charlie Bliss's Guppy, which is another album I love. It's very indebted to 90s power pop. I know that the bands have shared a stage together. And uh, just in full disclosure, um, I know the drummer, Andrew Hall, because we both wrote for the same website coat machine glow in the late 2000s but uh you know i told them if i didn't like your band i would certainly let you know but that's (laughs) that's not the case here um they put out a really good record and the song we're going to listen to here is love is which i'm going to play right now What you heard there was Love Is by Dude York off the Sincerely album. Brian, what do you got for number three?
1: Number three I've got from a, uh, an artist and an album that uh, accompanied one of the best shows I've seen in 2017 thus far. It's Craig Finn's We All Want the Same Things. Uh, Craig Finn is the Absolutely captivating lead singer from the Hold Steady. Uh, I saw him open up for the Japan Droids at the 9:30 Club in DC here back in late February. Uh, really, really great show. Uh, life affirming uh, and just. Um, The kind of show that you just like sing your voice out and uh, feel like a million bucks walking out of. Um, Finn writes like something of like a psychedelic Bruce Springsteen. Every song feels like it's a narration of someone's most dramatic turning point in their life. But then it just has all this imagery and all these uh, um, just all this like poetic vision that uh, I absolutely love and latch on to. Um, this is filled we all want the same things the record's filled with just some of the most endearing colorful and descriptive lyrics and stories that I've heard all decade uh, Jester and Jude Preludes 90 Blues God in Chicago It Hits When It Hits I mean these are clear singles um, and they're clear signposts to a uh, um, long and confusing year for everybody already um, really really amazing stuff very passionate record um the record title is uh, something of a twisted jab during the tw- turbulent political times that we're in. Uh, Finn talked about this in a review or in an uh, interview shortly after the album came out. That you know, while he believes there's a lot of divisions, uh, there's a clear acknowledgement that at root we all want and need the same basic things. And you know, this is a plea to the other side. We we all do want the same things. Come on, let's be honest here. Um, Finn calls these songs codependency jams. Uh, They feel like a friend in need, that friend when you're in need whose uh, shoulder you provide or rely on. These songs just feel to me like um, walking into a bar, needing to sit down, have a couple beers, hash out life, and uh, feeling all the better for it uh, afterwards. Um, David, I know that you are a pretty big Hold Steady fan. What What were your thoughts about this record?
0: Um, I enjoyed it certainly the most out of his other solo records. I thought it was kind of the solo record where he really comes into his own, whereas the first two Craig Finn solo records kind of just sounded like unenthusiastic, hold Steady B-Sides to me, whereas this one he really ramps up the production values. And while certainly I don't think it's a substitute for the Hold Steady, uh, it was the one that I could see myself going back to the most yeah. although it's certainly not going to take the place of uh, Separation Sunday or Boys and Girls in America
1: <laughs> anytime soon yeah this was uh, just kind of a time and place record for me and has always found its way into my rotation so we're going to play uh, the song Preludes off of Craig Finn's We All Want the Same Things That was Preludes off of Craig Finn's We All Want the Same Things. Uh, shifting gears here for just a second. So at this point in every show, what we would typically do is talk about new records, but that's what we're doing in this episode. So we're going to do kind of an inverse uh, uh, structure here. We are actually going to talk about 2016 Fish shows that we recommend. Uh, we are... Mm. Cognizant of the fact that summer tour will be starting in about three days after this episode posts. Uh, I know I've been with the warm weather, with the barbecue being lit up on a regular basis, I've been listening to a lot more fish than I was in the winter and spring. I've been going back through 2016, listening to some jam highlights, listening to some sets and a few full shows that uh, I feel like I overlooked to a certain degree. I feel like as a whole, 2016 was overlooked uh, a little bit. Uh, Some rough patches here and there, but would you agree with that, Dave? You
0: say overlooked, I say justifiably looked.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, there was some, the first, Ten days of summer tour are pretty uh, unforgivable in a lot of cases, but mm. from... Uh, um, it got
0: better in it their defense. Better. It got better as they went on.
1: By year's end, I think that they were playing at about the same strength that they were playing at in summer 2015. I would say that the uh, end of the fall tour and the MSG run are some of the strongest fish we've heard recently.
0: Yeah, the end of the fall tour, uh, especially the Las Vegas shows and the Nashville shows, are very strong they make me kind of sad to think about because obama was still our president at that
1: point no not even just still our president we thought we were just basically getting obama in in a pantsuit and yeah uh, my god i will say it didn't happen the one thing that brings me i always think back to the fall tour as uh the cubs world series march and uh Rather than enjoying it in the moment, I, I think this was the one fish tour I really didn't enjoy because I was just so stressed out about every single baseball game. Like, can you guys just finish <laughs> something? Like, why is this? Um, but now I listen back and it all—I enjoy it all. So, um, I actually have a show picked from the fall tour. A um, lot of big highlights throughout the tour, but uh, wanted to find something that I hadn't heard a lot of conversation about, and I hadn't really listened to a ton since it happened, but um, have really enjoyed in hindsight. Uh, and That's the second night of uh, Charleston, South Carolina, 1015 2016. This was the second night of the fall tour, And uh, rightly so. I would say this was overshadowed by the greatness in Vegas, Atlanta, and Nashville. Three really good runs that happened throughout the tour. Um, But this has a really, really good first set. A lot of new tunes. I think I counted just like eight or nine new tunes throughout the show. And like the first nine songs um, of the whole show has like six or seven songs written after 2013 um lots of energy in uh kind of typical standards like blazon when it's not in a um uh, type 2 type of setting it uh it really really rages as an opener devotion to a dream has a fantastic solo from trey you know lengthwise into a maze a really rare first set carini as well as a great wolfman's to close it out and then the second set you've got the uh Mercury in a twist into I Always Wanted It This Way the debut of I Always Wanted It This Way which uh, that jam segment really showcased the fluid and creative jamming that would really become the norm for fall and MSG and definitely for parts of uh, Mexico as well so if you haven't put on 1015 2016 in a while um, I would definitely recommend throwing that on really just surprising uh, re- uh, show um, one of my favorites uh, from last year is that the first Mercury from 2016? I think it might be. No, they, no. um They did Mercury at Dick's, and that was the first. Oh, that's right. Right, right, of, right. They kind of tried to see what they could push beyond the edges of Mercury. But um,
0: right. people thought it was shelved, and it came back at Dick's. And people thought, well, maybe it's only a Dick's thing. And then they went and played it a bunch of times in the fall tour.
1: Yeah, and then you got it at, uh, at Mexico, a really good version. Um, I, I hope it's back. Um, they, they did some really good work on that throughout the fall. Yeah, fantastic song. Fantastic song. Should have been on Big Book. Yeah, it really should have been. Really should have been. Um, what
0: do you I got? have, let's see. I have July 8th, 2016 from Mansfield, Massachusetts, better known as Great Woods. I think it's called the Xfinity Center. So uh, this show I was actually at, it has probably easily a top three first set of uh, the 2016 summer tour. Fantastic improvisation out of cities in particular is the one thing that comes to mind. Had kind of a funky party time opener. Um, the first space odyssey. Uh, sorry, the first acapella space odyssey closer since they did it at at uh, up at Wrigley Field. But yeah. yeah, very very good first set. I think at that point it was certainly the first set to beat. Um, I'm thinking maybe the tour closer from Chula Vista might have a, a better first set, off the top of my head. And the next night, Hartford was also pretty good. Yes. But certainly the second set. With the Ghost and Light and Wolfman's, this was shaping up to be an all-timer until the PA went out. So it's a big (laughs) what could have been, but the Ghost Light is, the Light could be a top three version of that song. The Ghost is 14 Minutes of Fire. That's, I think, the first and maybe only time they've done the Ghost Light combo, believe it or not. It seems like something that they would do much more, but it really wasn't. But that Light, it's got rock. It's got a crazy Manteca thingy going on. It has Trey forgetting a verse and kind of making fun of it. (laughs) It's probably the best version of that song they played in 2016. And the Wolfman's was getting extremely funky with a great vocal jam until the PA went out and they kind of slowly sauntered off the stage like Ashley Simpson did that one time when she was caught (laughs) lip syncing on Saturday Night Live. And then the set from then on was not great because they kind of, what, there was like a chalk dust back on the train, saw it again, and we could hear it because we were in the pavilion. I'm told that if you were on the lawn, the PA never fully came back on. But seriously, go back and listen to the first set and listen to the ghost light about five or six times because you really ought to. And I think...
1: I know know that 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 light was we were couch touring it, and that was the first moment in the summer tour where I just was like, what are they doing on stage? And that was a, uh, a normal reaction throughout summer 2015, and it was very, very uh, late in that summer for that to be happening, but it was great that they caught fire when they did.
0: I think I also had a, a Trillium Mosaic Double Dry hot Pale Ale or something or other in the parking lot that put me in a really good mood going into that show. 'cause nobody dry hops like Trillion Dry Hops.
1: Yeah, great beer, great <laughs> setting, great show, until it wasn't. <laughs> until it wasn't. But yeah, that's that kind
0: of marked there were a few boner shows from then on out. I know the forum was particularly galling, but I think Grey Woods is kind of the demarcation that things were generally pretty good after that.
1: Yeah, they followed up a really weak show at Portland. You had Great Woods was fantastic. You had a really great Hartford show with one of my favorite uh, jams of the year and that Down with Disease, Uh, and then a great first set out at the... um, Syracuse, right? The landfill out in Syracuse. Right. um, Oh, that's right. Don't wander off the lot, otherwise you'll die. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, then you had a good gorge show, and then a really bad gorge show, a couple really good Bill Graham shows, a really weak Bill Graham second set. It was a very up and down tour until they started to kind of right the ship there. Um, But yeah, Great Woods, definitely a big demarcation line. So there's our fish for the show. We're going to get back to our list. top five uh, five through three uh, of the year thus far Um, we're going to transition here to our top two of 2017 so far David what do you got at number two
0: my number two album of the year so far is Melodrama by Lord now granted this album hasn't written about quite a bit and it's certainly a little more mainstream than some of the stuff that we tend to cover on Beyond the Pond but let me tell you Ignore Lord at your own peril. She really needs to be taken seriously. Like, the first record with Royals was good. It had a lot of promise, but the second album is... Goddamn. It's, uh... In addition to being extremely catchy, I mean, what's neat about her second album is how willfully weird a lot of it is. I mean, the case in point I keep coming back to... There's a song in the middle of the album called uh, Hard Feelings slash Loveless and Hard Feelings like instead of a guitar solo it sounds like what's like sad robots having sex. <laughs> That's kind of the only way I can really describe it and uh, a lot of credit has to go to Jack Antonoff who um, collaborated with Lord on the whole album and who um finally ready to forgive for fun. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yes, I yeah. agree. Totally agree. No. I would say the song Greenlight, which was the first single, that's a candidate for the best song of 2017. And it can be argued that that isn't even the album's best song. And uh, she's having a lot of fun with the lyrics here. She's blowing shit up with homemade dynamite. She's hanging a relationship in the Louvre. She's sinisterly warning an ex about the dangers of kissing, quote, a writer in the dark. And she's getting erect at parties in search of perfect places while simultaneously acknowledging the fact that such perfect places are actually bullshit. And she's only 20 years old, which is crazy to me. I think her first album came out when she was 16. There was a lot of pressure to follow it up. And she followed it up in a major way. And that these songs have tons of different sounds, very... Interesting lyrics evoking someone much older than she actually is, Um, you know, very profound. Not so much profound, but, uh, you know, lots of the party and the after party and thinking, like, what does it mean? How are we going to feel when we're sober? Uh, It's just I found it extremely enjoyable. It's probably other than my number one, it's certainly the thing I listen to the most in 2017 so far And the song I'm going to play off it Here is going to be Homemade Dynamite The third song on the record
5: A couple rebel top gun Pilots flying With nowhere to be Oh Don't know you super well But I think that you might Be the same as me Behave abnormally Let's let things come out of the woodwork I give you my best I tell you all my best lies, yeah Awesome, right? So let's let things come out of the woodwork I give you my best I tell you all my best lies See me rolling, showing someone else love Dancing with our shoes off, no I think you're awesome, right? Drive, but he can hardly see. Oh, we'll end are painted on the rock, red and chrome, all the broken glass sparkling. I guess we're partying, so let's let things come out of the woodwork. I give you my
0: best. I tell you. All, all right, that was Lord. We so just listened to long Blow long Shit down. Up with Homemade Dynamite off of her album Melodrama. Brian, what do you got for number two?
1: It's so number two. I um, feel a bit bad about taking this one. I think that this might have been your number one, your number two. I think both in just agreement about this. This is one of the best records of the year, one of the most anticipated records of the year. Uh, this is Slowdive with their self titled record, first in 22 years. Slowdive, uh, it is an absolute gem. Uh, might be the prettiest album of the year. Wall of sound guitars, tasteful effects, uh, soaring vocals, uh, the lyrics, uh, fantastic uh, throughout, but um, they matter less than the instrumentation they provide at times. Um, it's just an absolutely gorgeous record. Um, the song slow-mo that opens it up might be my favorite opener of the entire year it's so subtle and so quiet and pretty um, but it ushers in their first record in over two decades in just a perfect perfect way Um, and then you follow it up with star roving Uh, it's just a complete statement of confidence that um, you know really can only come out of a band that's wisened by time and filled with experience you know it's the Basically, the exact opposite of a of a killer debut. It's this is um, a group that has been marinating for years and um, comes out with a record like this. That's just oh, it's fantastic. Love this album. Um, Slow mo, as I mentioned, star roving, sugar for the pill, thinking about love, go get it. Um, it's just a full album. Album, uh, a lot of creativity. Feels like a cloud sometimes when you're listening to it. Um, his record is just really, ex- it's expertly crafted, and it's proof that bands who break up and then reunite uh, should no longer be chastised um, unless they are found in tears at the end of their breakup documentary. That's
0: some them. shade right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they shouldn't be chastised as, as simply as a crash grab. You know, this group came back together after, uh, I believe, 18, uh, 19 years apart. Um, You know, really, one of the cool things about um, doing this podcast is we've we've gotten ourselves to talk about so many different bands that are, um, you know, five six ten records deep Um, and really with the shifts in the music industry there's such an emphasis now on continuity and on continuous live performances and touring Um, so more and more artists need to and should reunite after years apart it's just a way of life it's simple economics Um, as this album proves uh, when that's handled right those years of experience the time the gray hairs the back pains the time spent changing diapers can Oftentimes lead to brilliance that wasn't even there in the Halcyon Youth. So, um, I can't say enough about this record. It just completely took me the first time I heard Star Roving, the single that came out, I believe, January. And then the record as a whole, when it came out, was just a fantastic ushering in of spring. So, we're going to play Slow Mo. Um, I think it's the best opener of the year. It's might be my favorite song of the year i don't know but otherwise other, all i know it's an absolutely gorgeous song and um hope you guys enjoy this this is slow off of slow dives slow dive That was Slow Mo off of Slow Dive's Slow Dive. Again, one of just the most beautiful songs of the year. Um, we are down to our number one records of 2017 thus far. Uh, David, what do you got?
0: Well, first, I just want to um, reinforce what you are saying about that Slow Dive record. It is fantastic. It is the huge of sound. It is one of the more exciting things that happened to shoegaze music in quite a while. And uh, just as a basis for comparison another 90s shoegaze titan titan ride they also put out a recent reunion album called weather diaries which while fine isn't that exciting to me but certainly uh slow dive wins the battle of the 90s reunion shoegaze titans in that case but my number one is an album, Brian, which you actually introduced me to earlier on in one of our earlier episodes I started listening to it. This is Way Out West by Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives. Um, we covered it in an early episode, and since Brian turned me on, today, I've basically been listening to it nonstop. This is a delicious-sounding record. Now, Marty Stewart, he's kind of started his career as a member of Johnny Cash's band. I think he's Been solo since the mid '80s in some form or other. He's won a few Grammys. He's won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Americana Music Awards in 2005. His name appears on at least 20 albums. Dude's been around, and yet this is honestly the first time I've really paid him much mind. I feel like I've got some catching up to do, but with this album. It's got country ballads a la Marty Robbins' El Paso. There's some uh, surf, psych rock vignettes that are very Tarantino or like Breaking Bad sounding. Um, ringing birds sounding power pop, which makes sense because Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is in the band and he's the world's most unabashed Roger McGuinn Um There's some spoken word stories. Uh, like Bakersfield country music, it's all wrapped up in one tribute to the wonders of the American West. And kind of like the feeling I keep getting from this album is one of effortless cool like between the desert surf instrumentals, the title track where Marty Stewart's taken on the role of like a pill popping uh, circus clown. Kind of, he's got this huge silver mullet. I mean, he's clearly, he's living his best life and it really comes, it comes through in the music. It's just, uh, it's a great road trip album, despite the fact that it's pretty short. I think it's really only about, uh, about 40 minutes, but there's no filler. And if any of those things sound interesting to you, I would recommend listening to this album right away. It's uh, fantastic summertime music. And the song that I'm going to play off of this album is Time Won't Wait. Here we go. The
2: big bright moon is shining down on the desert sand reached down,
3: touched
4: the earth, and held it in my hand. As the dirt fell through my fingers, the wind, it seemed to say, don't put off until tomorrow.
6: What you can do
0: All right, that was the very jangly, bird-sounding Time Don't Wait off of uh, Way Out West from Marty Stewart and his fabulous Superlatives. My number one album at 2017 so far. It would take something very big to knock it out of the top five, but who knows? The year is only halfway through. Brian, what do you got for the number one slide?
1: My number one record uh, comes from a singer-songwriter that... Uh, I've been told I have to listen to for years and for whatever reason just did not connect with me until 2017 on as deep of a way as he did uh Ryan Adams Prisoner um I've listened to him throughout the years every time he puts out a record I've always felt like a duty to listen to it but it's um, never just completely taken me over like it did with this record finally clicked um have not recently been divorced... I have not seen the end of a relationship in almost a decade. Uh, but as I noted with my number five record, Mount Eerie's, A Crow Looked at Me, had a very intense first half of 2017. And this record just completely connected with me, connected the dots and so many of the feelings I had in a very simple, universal, reflective, and forward thinking message about loss and recovery. Um, this record is Adams's 16th in just over 16 years. It's just an absolutely unbelievable string of prolific songs writing, Um, and it thematically is right in line with his 2014 self-titled LP that really focuses on Heartland Rock and 80s soundscape production, Think Tunnel of Love, Bruce Springsteen, um, Brothers in Arms from Dire Straits, a lot of records that we talked about in Episode 5, our uh, Dad Rock episode. Um, Album has some great songs throughout. Do You Still Love Me, The Opener, uh, Prisoner, Doomsday are about as powerful opening trio and among my favorite songs of the year. Anything I say to you now is a just classic shut the door and just scream with your guitar and your amplifier breakup anthem. And uh, Outbound Train is the closest that Adams seems to have come to the sound he's been mimicking since the early mid 2010s. And it sounds like it could fit right alongside uh, other songs on the war on drugs, Lost in the Dream. Uh, or Bruce Hornsby. Very Hornsby, that song. Very Bruce Hornsby. Very and Bruce
0: Hornsby. in and of himself, is very War on Drugs. So.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it all comes back to the War on Drugs, as you yes. can see. Um, As David was mentioning as we were getting into my, my number one record here, there are so many big albums yet to come this year, so I'm not sure if this will be my favorite at the end of the year. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I really hope it isn't. Um, but records like this show me why music is so necessary No matter where life goes, whatever surprises come along, there are songs, there are albums, there are bands that are there to communicate heartache, pain, and the ultimate hope throughout life. For that, I am forever thankful that this record appeared in my life when it did. And we are going to play Outbound Train off this record. Turn it up. It is uh, Ryan Adams at his absolute best. This is off of Prisoner. I supposed to
0: Okay, that was uh, Outbound Train by Ryan Adams off the Prisoner album, an album which I also think is fantastic. Listened to quite a bit in 2017. Just to recap, my top five I had at number five, The New Pornographer's Whiteout Conditions, number four, Cloud Nothing's Life Without Sound, number three, Dude York, Sincere- Sincerely, number two, Lord's Melodrama, and number one, was Way Out West by Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives.
1: And I had at number five, Mount Erie, A Crow Looked at Me. Kendrick Lamar's Dam at number four. Number three was Craig Finn, We All Want the Same Things. Slow Dive, Slow Dive came in at number two for me, and my number one, as we just heard, was Ryan Adams, Prisoner.
0: Now, if you uh have any opinions on our top fives, or just want to talk about any of the music in 2017, or want to talk about fish, or tell us that uh, we're complete no nothings you can do that because uh we're quite a bit out there on social media or out there on Twitter at underscore beyond the pond, one word, on medium, medium.com slash beyond the pond. And on Spotify, we've got the Beyond the Pond podcast song playlist. I think you can find it easily if you're a paying member. If not, it may be a little more difficult. Uh, We can easily post it if you uh, add us. That can easily be done. And in that playlist, will be done is um, every song that's available on Spotify that we've covered in depth, we put into the playlist. You plus shuffle, you have a grand old time. So, there will be 10 new songs appearing on that playlist before it goes, uh, before we publish, which um, will be upcoming this Tuesday because we publish every other Tuesday,
1: yeah. So, we publish every other Tuesday, and um. Uh, As you guys could tell, we did something a little bit different with this episode than we had with our first eight. We are going to return to our norm a little bit here during summer tour. Uh, We want to celebrate Fish's summer tour. We want to focus on it in our own unique way. So what we're going to do over the next couple episodes is um, we're going to take a fish jam from the... uh, current summer tour, and we're going to break it down in the same way that we have the first eight uh, uh, jams that we focused on. So at this point in time, we are recording this about ten days before summer tour begins. This episode's going to go live about three or four days. We have no idea what we're doing for our next two episodes. It's a little bit terrifying. It's going to be a lot of uh, uh, quick work and a lot of quick communication, but I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a good way for us to talk about summer tour as it's happening while still focusing on uh new music that we want to share with you guys and uh, i think that you guys are all going to enjoy it i'm excited for it
0: it's going to be a little bit sloppy
1: a little bit fun but i think we're up to the task yeah it'll kind of be like your uh, first couple fish shows of a tour you know all right <laughs>
0: if you got in this part of this episode we thank you very much for listening and thanks for hanging with us for a somewhat different format on that note, I'd just like to say I'm David Goldstein. And I'm Brian Brinkman. And thank you very much for joining us. And come back in two Tuesdays, which we will go beyond the pond.
5: But I hear sounds in my mind. Brand new sounds in my mind. Sometimes I wake up in a different bed